Believers. I'm Dr. Shante, and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers. This is episode 22 and part three of our Belief in Action series. Branding for Believers is the podcast that helps entrepreneurs and influencers with the faith and the confidence to believe bigger in their dreams. The response to the Belief in Action series has been phenomenal, actionable strategies that you guys can use right now to put your faith into action, to produce the kinds of results that you want for your business and for your platform. And so today we continue with the Belief in Action series with part three, audience growth. Audience growth is huge, so much so that it's going to take two episodes to do it. So this is audience growth part one. And our guiding thought for today comes from Matthew 7, 28 and 29. When he had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And he obviously being Jesus in this scenario, but The key here is he taught as one who had authority. And as such, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because of the way that he was able to own that space and own the content. And so for this episode, we are gonna be talking about creating your authority, content marketing, building online communities, and the all important lead magnets. In other words, how are we going to get people to take notice of us? So let's dive right into that content. The first of which is creating your authority. So when I say authority, that means that you want to become the go-to person for your area of expertise. You want to be the logical choice. You want to be the ideal person. So for example, if you are a chef, Who would be the go-to person? Who is the chef that you look up to, the chef that they don't know you, but you know all about their work. And if you were having some kind of event, that would be the person that you would want to be there. If you are a personal trainer or a nutritionist, health and fitness, who is the person, the go-to that has helped you to develop who you are and build your brand? And that's what you want to be. You want to be the authority. You want to be the logical choice that people think of when it comes to your industry or your genre. One thing that I will tell you is that having a product or a service, no matter how good it is or how many people it can help, is not sufficient to grow your audience because there are lots of people out there that have good products or good services, but they're not necessarily seen as authorities. And so becoming an authority means that you or your service has to be in demand. And so in order for you to be in demand, you have to grow your audience. The more people have bought into your brand, have bought into your platform, the more people see you as an authority, then the more likely it is that your product or your service is going to fly off the shelves, quote unquote. Also, when you become an authority, you can charge more. So for example, let's take the industry of makeup artistry. There is a world of difference between hiring a makeup artist on StyleSeat, StyleSeat, which is an app for hairstylist, makeup artist, for fashion stylists and, and such. 
uh, versus hiring Rennie Vasquez. Rennie Vasquez is one of the most, if not the most popular makeup artists in the country. You are definitely going to pay a pretty penny for his services. Um, if you are a trainer, there's a difference between hiring the services of a local gym versus hiring Dovet Quince from The Biggest Loser. Why? Because Dovet is seen as an authority. Rennie Vasquez is seen as an authority in the makeup world. Dovet is seen as an authority in the health and fitness world. So you are going to pay a premium to get Dolvet to come to your event or to work directly with him. In the tattoo world, there's a difference between hiring a local artist versus hiring Ryan Henry. Ryan Henry is one of the most popular tattoo artists in Chicago and he has a nationwide following. When it comes to the speaking circuit, you could hire a community pastor to come in and be a guest speaker at your event, or you could hire Priscilla Shire, who was recently featured in the uh, film War Room. War Room was the number one movie in the country. And so if you hire Priscilla to come to your event, you are going to pay a premium for Priscilla. And what do all of these people have in common? They are an authority. They are authorities in their field. And one thing that I can tell you is that it did not come overnight. I know that often in the, the path and the pursuit of greatness and building our dreams and our platforms, we want instant success. We hate to wait. Let me say that again. We hate to wait. We want what we want when we want it. But I'm sorry to tell you that there is no just add water success story. It just doesn't work that way. And one of the things that you want to keep in mind is that for all of these people, they have two things in common. One is they have large followings. So I want you to look at your social media followers. I want you to look at the people that are on your email subscription list. And does it say large? Large to you. It might be growing, but does it say large? And I know that you can do things nowadays to like buy your Instagram followers or buy your Twitter followers. But ultimately, that is going to come back to bite you in the long run because companies nowadays have ways of vetting the authenticity of your following. And so if they see a lot of bots, little robots and, and fake profiles, then that really damages your credibility. So when you look at your following, does it say large to you? And if it's not large, that means that you are not an authority and it means that you have some work to do. Another key distinction about all of these influencers and these authorities is that they are connected to larger and more credible brands. So for example, Dovet Quince, he is connected to a larger brand, which is The Biggest Loser. Biggest Loser has long been established. It's still wildly popular all over the country and it is continuing to grow. Priscilla Shire, she's connected to a larger platform the movie War Room, but she's also connected through her father's platform, uh, her father who, being Tony Evans. And so when you're thinking about becoming an authority, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is growing your following through larger brands. So when you think about who are the brands, who are the big names in your industry in terms of products that you use or recommend to your clients or to your following, how about establishing partnerships with those people so that you can begin to have access to their audience? So authority, we want to make sure that we create that, but how do we do it? The answer is content marketing. 
content is king. I have been saying this for two years now. Content is king. Content is cash. Content is your path to building authority. In other words, content is that body of work that people find value in that will help to grow your audience. Content is the is what people share. Content is what people follow. Content is what people go to, listen to, watch in order to help them build their dreams, pursue their goals, improve their lives. The formal definition of content marketing is a strategic marketing approach that's focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable action. So let me repeat that. Content marketing is a strategic marketing approach and it's focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately to drive profitable action. So let me break that down. And by the way, if you haven't grabbed a pen or a pencil by now, press pause and back up and go do that. Make sure that you are taking good notes. Content marketing has to be valuable. If you are a blogger or you have a blog, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with telling a story about your kids or your dog or what you had for lunch. However, ask yourself, does my audience find value in that? And the audience has to be clearly defined. So if you are coming to this episode for the first time and you're not clear on how to define your audience, press stop, go back one episode and listen to part two of the belief in action series, which gives a ton of information about how to develop your ideal client profile. So the first aspect of content marketing is that it has to be valuable. The second piece is that it has to be relevant. One of the ways that you can establish your authority is by making it clear that you know what's happening in your industry, that you know what's current in your field. So for example, if you are a health and fitness coach, right now there is a popular trend for waist trainers and waist trainers are these kind of elastic corset things. It's almost like a rubber tire with hooks in it. And a lot of women are using these devices to have smaller and slimmer waist. Well, if you are a health and fitness coach, you should weigh in on waist trainers. You should have an opinion about that. You should form a position or a point of view about that that will be helpful to your audience. So if you think that they are helpful and safe to use, then you should say that. If you think that they are not and you think that there are potential health risks, then you should say that. You should develop content that is relevant to what's happening in your field right now. And last, but certainly not least, and probably the most important, it has to be consistent. Content marketing has to be consistent. This isn't, well, I wrote two blogs and nobody commented. Um, I believe I mentioned that you can't become an authority overnight. There are people that discover my podcast every single day that have never heard it before. And I'm 22 episodes in. So it doesn't matter when they discover you. What's important is that they discover you. What's important is that you are building a digital footprint so that when people go to Google or search for your industry or your product or your service, or even your name, that there is a body of work, that there is a mound of content that establishes your expertise. And in order to do that, you have to 
be consistent. You can't be blogging one week and then dropping the ball the next week. You can't have a podcast like so and go off the air for six weeks, six months, and then come back and expect your audience to be there. No, if you are building your following, building your authority, you have an obligation and your audience has an expectation that you are going to be consistent. Because think about it, what you're trying to do is you are trying to earn trust. You are trying to establish your credibility. And so if you want trust to be earned, you know that that doesn't happen overnight. How many of you just instantly trust somebody because they say that they're A, B, and C? No, you watch them, you observe them, you see if they are who they say they are. You see if they consistently show up in the space. You see if they consistently deliver, if they're trustworthy. And after a period of time, that's when you are invested in that person. And that's when you have given them your trust, but it doesn't come automatically. So content marketing can come a number of ways. Some people use blogs as a tool for content marketing. Some people use videos. Videos can be very impactful. YouTube is the number two search engine in the world right behind Google. You can do a podcast. You can do demos. And so you can demo makeup techniques. I see lots of people doing this on Instagram. You can do hair demonstrations about how to achieve certain hairstyles. You can do cooking demonstrations if you have cooking chops. So you can demonstrate something. And you can also do recipes. Recipes don't necessarily have to be for food or culinary. One of the reasons why recipes are wildly popular, it's the most popular item on Pinterest. And so food and drink are definitely at the top of the list for Pinterest because when you follow a recipe, you're supposed to receive a predictable outcome. And so people have trust and say, if I follow this recipe, I will achieve these results. And so that doesn't just have to work for food. You can have a recipe for success. You can have a recipe for having a polished look. You can have a recipe for losing 10 pounds. You can have a recipe for all kinds of things. The point is all of those are forms of content that you can use to help build your authority. So what I would do if I were you, I would listen to episode two again. I mean, episode two, meaning part two of the belief in action series. And I would use the client profile formula, meaning looking at the goals and the fears and the frustrations of your ideal client. And I would use that information to develop a content marketing strategy. If you know who your ideal client is, if you know what their goals are, if you know what their fears are and what their frustrations are, and what are the things that keep them from taking action, use that information to your best advantage. Use it to develop a content marketing strategy. So for those of you sitting here wondering, scratching your heads, oh, well, I don't know what to write about, or I don't know what the video should be about. The client profile will tell you what those videos should be about because that means that you're gonna be speaking directly to their pain point, directly to their fears, directly to their frustrations. So become the person that your clients, that your audience goes to for ideas, be the person that your audience goes to for encouragement, for advice, for education, or for support. Any one of those things, you want to become a part of your followers life. You want to be a part of your audience life. And the way that you do that is through content marketing and do so consistently. One last thing that I want to say about content marketing is this. Content marketing is not publicity. 
And sometimes we confuse marketing with publicity because don't get me wrong, marketing, the purpose of it is to help create awareness for your brand, create awareness for your business. However, content marketing is a totally different animal. Content marketing is an intentional, deliberate, strategic approach. And it's, it's betting on the long play. It's betting that over time, as you're establishing your authority and growing your audience, that you will have a relationship with your audience members and your clients in such a way that it will move them to want to invest in you, to want to take action with you in a way that's profitable. But publicity is something different. So your three minutes on a TV show is not gonna be providing consistent value to your client. If you got a feature in such and such magazine, that is not going to drive dollars to your doorstep. And if you are a guest on somebody's radio show, that does not build your authority In fact, it only helps to build the host authority, whoever show you have become a guest on. But if you're kind of a a one hit wonder, you popped in on a show here and you popped in on a magazine there and you popped in on the radio here, that does not build your authority. That is great for five minutes and then people have moved on. So content marketing is not publicity. I mean, publicity is great, nothing wrong with it. But in terms of a targeted strategy that is going to move people to want to open up up their wallets and invest in you, content marketing is definitely the way to go. Another way to build your audience is through online communities. So online communities is a way where you can get really interactive. When you start seeing your audience and your following as actual people, okay, not just dollars and cents, but you see them as actual people, an online community can definitely deepen that relationship. And I will tell you, psychologically, the more a person has invested in you personally, the more likely they are to invest in you financially. Online communities are a way to build online relationships with your followers and with your consumers. It will give them greater access to you and people will invest in individuals that they know that they like and that they trust. And so one way to build that trust is through an online community. Online communities also give you a built-in focus group. So if you are wondering what your next product should be or whether or not what you're thinking about is a really good idea and you kind of want to test it out on some folks, having an online community is an excellent way to vet your ideas before you bring them to a larger audience, before you bring them to scale. So in your online community, you want to make sure that you keep these things in mind. One, you want to be accessible and approachable. I know that there are some online groups where the you don't even know who's leading the group because the person who is supposed to be in there leading it, they pop in every few weeks and they just kind of let the group go on autopilot. That is not going to help build your audience. That is going to leave people disgruntled and it's going to ruin your credibility. And it, it shows people that you're really not invested in them. So you wanna make sure if you do go the, the route of an online community that you are accessible and approachable. What you also want to keep in mind is the tool that you want to use. So the most popular way to build an online community or an online group is Facebook. But let me say this, let me say this and let me be like clear and emphatic about it. Do not, I repeat, do not just start adding people on your friends list all willy-nilly into your Facebook group because people have done that to me and I have not appreciated it. You can extend an invitation to a group. You can 
promote the group, but don't just start randomly adding members when you have not asked their permission because we live in a world where there's so much noise in terms of email and social media clutter that people can get offended when you just start. It almost comes across like spam when you start spamming them on social media. And so if you use Facebook, make sure that people have asked to join your group instead of you just adding people so that you can boost your numbers. Because I don't care if you have 10,000 of your Facebook friends in there. If those 10,000 people do not fit your ideal client profile, you are wasting your time, wasting their time and ruining your reputation in the process. So don't do that. But use your online community to share content and resources. And so this is also a built-in audience. If you want to know who's reading my blog or is anybody reading my latest post, your online community is a great place to post that and say, hey, I just recently posted something on A, B, and C. You can share additional resources, recordings, or videos that you think are inspirational. You should raise questions in your online community. So you want to get people talking. You want them to engage. You want them to throw their two cents in. And down the road, not right away, but down the road, you can promote your offerings. Meaning if you have a a product launch coming up or you have a new program that you're rolling out, then your online community is the perfect place to do that because they have already fallen in love with your brand and you're giving them content and you're sharing resources and you're accessible and you're approachable. And so once you have done that for a period of time, then you can use that space to promote your offerings so that you can increase your conversion numbers. Another thing about that is you can also use your online community to attract sponsors. And so if you have a large online community and let's say there are a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people that are actively in that community, yes, that can get a little crazy, but that's also attractive to sponsors because you can say that you have a community of ten thousand engaged users that are invested in your brand and are interacting in that space. If this seems completely overwhelming to you, like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't have time to be on Facebook like that. I just really don't have the bandwidth. I'm already doing so much. I just don't even know how that's possible. Then I would say enlist brand ambassadors. So brand ambassadors are people that already love you, that already love your brand, people that you know would help you and support you and split the work up introduce them as group leaders and say hey Sharon is going to be posting such and such today or have Jennifer uh, raise the question of the day but you don't have to do that alone that's why it's called community but communities are definitely one way to help build your audience because if it is a, a valuable relevant and consistent experience then what are people going to do they're going to invite their friends in they're like oh my gosh girl you should join this this is so good I love the interaction. It's not too much and blah, blah, blah. And you can also set the tone for that. One of the things about online communities is that people love self-promotion. People say, oh, good. There's 300 members here. There's a thousand members here. Let me start just hocking my, my wares. You can actually shut that down right from the beginning and say, no, it ain't that type of party. This this is not what this group is for. Promotions, uh, self-promotion will be deleted. And, you know, you can also have a space where people can can do that. So there are many groups
groups where they have a designated Tuesday or a designated Wednesday to post their latest and greatest whatever. But you can be very clear and firm that that's not what this group is for, because if it turns into that, trust and believe people will leave as quickly as they came. Nobody wants to go to a group where it's just nothing but a bombardment of sales pitches. People want to be really, truly engaged and want to make sure that they are getting value out of that online community space. So choose wisely and set the tone, set the culture for what that community is going to look like. But again, an excellent way to grow your audience. The last thing I want to talk about on today's episode with audience growth is lead magnets. In case you're wondering what the heck is a lead magnet, a lead magnet for all intents and purposes is a bribe. It's a little irresistible offering that offers a specific chunk of value. So not the whole kit and caboodle. A lead magnet offers just a little chunk of value to your ideal client or to a potential client in exchange for their contact information. So for example, you may have signed up for a retailer in order to get free shipping. The only way that you could get the free shipping was to give them your email address. And that's considered a lead magnet. And the goal of the lead magnet is to maximize the number of targeted leads that you are getting for an offer. I really can't stress the importance of a targeted lead because what a lead magnet will tell you is that they are interested in the value that you have to offer. So if you don't have a good lead magnet or if your lead magnet is completely removed from what your brand is about, then you are not going to have a good experience with lead magnets. For example, if you are a stylist or a fashion designer and your platform is all about helping people to look their best, your lead magnet should be related to something useful, a checklist, a style sheet, something that can help your targeted audience look their best. But if you use a lead magnet saying, sign up to get a $25 gift card to Whole Foods, um, that is a complete disconnect because what you're going to do is attract people who are interested in Whole Foods. And so when somebody signs up for your email list and they think they're gonna start getting information about nutrition and clean eating, and you're talking about high heel shoes and black leather bags and pumps and fall trends, they're gonna be like, what? And completely leave your list in droves. So you wanna make sure that your lead magnet is directly related to your brand, your platform, and that you use something that gives them significant value and entices them to want to give up their contact information so that they become a targeted lead. So let me give you some of the characteristics of a lead magnet. So if you are taking notes, this is a good time to break that pen out again. So the characteristics of a good lead magnet, number one, it has to be relevant to the customer, relevant to your ideal client profile. Think about it. Think about that ideal client, their goals, their fears, their frustration. What is something that they could use right now? So make sure that it's relevant to them. You also want to make sure with your lead magnet that you issue a call to action. Sometimes people create these lead magnets and they don't know where to post them. I would suggest that you use a landing page. There will be a link in the show notes as to where you can go to set up a landing page. And a landing page is literally just a one page website that 
allows your prospective client to sign up for, for that lead magnet, for that checklist, for that little chunk of value that you're offering and puts them on your email list. So they give up their contact information and they in exchange get the checklist or the tip sheet or the whatever. So use a landing page for that. It seems to be the simplest way to get that across. So when you're issuing a call to action, make sure that it says, click here to get your free blah, blah, blah. Don't just leave it open-ended. Don't just have a pretty page and it looks cute, but it doesn't exactly tell them what they need to do. You also wanna use your lead magnet to set up an expectation for follow-up. So once they get that exchange of value, so once they've given you their email information and they've gotten their download or their tip sheet or their whatever, then you should say, every week I'll be sending you blah, blah, blah. Or you can join my Facebook community that I just talked about and get more value, get your questions answered and get support for your next endeavor, etc. So a good lead magnet is relevant to the customer. It issues a call to action. Be very clear about what you want them to do. It sets an expectation for follow-up. So it tells them how you are going to be corresponding with them going forward. And I would recommend using a landing page because it, it just seems to be the simplest way to, to accomplish that. In order for you to have a successful lead magnet, you need to have an email list. I will tell you, when I first started the journey and to becoming an entrepreneur, I was completely in the dark about how to collect contact information and email addresses. I was like, um, are we gonna put these in a spreadsheet, like an Excel spreadsheet? And my mentors, my coaches were like, no dear, you need an email marketing client. And I had no idea what that was. And so if you have no idea what that is, that is a Weber, MailChimp, Constant Contact. These are services that are strictly built to collect email addresses and for you to be able to correspond with your audience without having to use something like a spreadsheet or a list serve or having to copy and paste email addresses and all of that foolishness. So definitely make sure that you have an email client. Otherwise, your lead magnet is going to fall flat. I will also say the bigger your list, the lower your conversion rate has to be. So I know that if you have 3,000 Facebook followers, followers, that's great, but you need 3,000 people on your email list. And here is why. Once you have somebody's email address, you have direct access to them. You have a way to directly and consistently correspond with them to build that relationship, to build that trust. However, if you don't have a lot of people on your list, that means that you are going to have to have a higher conversion rate. So let me give you a tangible example. Let's say your goal in your next product launch is to earn $25,000 and your product costs $250. Well, if you only have 100 people on your list, you have to convert 100% of those people. 100 times 250 equals 25,000. And I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, how good of a salesperson you are, nobody converts 100% of their sales target. On the flip side, if you have 2,000 people on your list, then you only have to convert 5%. So if you have 2,000 people on your email list, you only have to convert 100 of those 2,000. Your conversion rate drops significantly and you only have to convert 5%. So if you have a small number to work with, then that means that your conversion rate for that list has to be extremely high. However, if you have a lot of people on your list, then the conversion rate can be very low. 
I want to leave you with some examples for lead magnets, some of the things that you can do to make sure that you are offering a chunk of value that your client will appreciate. Depending on your service, your product or service, you can offer them free shipping or you can offer them a discount, maybe 20% off their first order that they can only get if they sign up for your list. And I will say this, make sure that you are very clear about that and make sure that you can afford to do that because once I signed up for an email list to get free shipping, however, after I signed up in the fine print, they said you can get free shipping after you spend $300. No, that is not what it said on the front end. Don't come with some shady stuff on the back end. So don't be shady like that. Don't offer a free shipping or discount that you can't financially support or sustain because that is definitely going to turn off your client. And that's exactly what I did. I unsubscribed immediately. So you can offer that. You can also offer something like an infographic. An infographic is a condensed piece of visual information. So for example, if you are a health coach, you might create an infographic about good carbs and bad carbs, something that they can post on their refrigerator or download and keep on their desktop so that they know the difference between what are the good carbs to eat and what are the not so good carbs to eat. You can do an infographic and you can use artistic sites like Canva, C-A-N-V-A. I'll make sure that I put that link in the show notes to create something really easily. You can do a lead magnet that has a downloadable PDF. So ebook, something that they can download and have instant access to. You can do a video series where if they submit their email address, they will get a video training series in two or three parts. You can also offer a free trial of a bigger service. A good example of who does this really, really well is Copyblogger. Copyblogger offers a service called Authority. And I believe the investment is somewhere in the neighborhood of four or $500. However, what they do is they offer you a lower tier option of authority that is completely free. So they send you weekly lessons, they send you weekly tips, weekly webinars, and so forth at the lower tier option. And you can always upgrade to the higher tier option. And so the goal there is you get so much value from the lower tier option that it makes you want to invest in the higher tier option. So you can do that. You can offer free content that is exclusive to your email list and consistently seed or plant the seed for your higher tier option where they can get greater support, greater value, and so forth. So that is it. I know this was a hefty episode, but I hope you found tremendous value in it. I told you audience growth is huge because if you don't have an audience, you don't have a brand. You just don't. (laughs) You, You cannot have an audience. You cannot be profitable unless you have people that are actually invested in you. So that is why this episode was a little bit lengthy, more lengthy than I would like, but I hope you got good value out of it. The next episode is audience growth part two, and we will be tackling social media. We will be talking specifically about Periscope, about Instagram, about Twitter chats and topics. And if you got value from this podcast, please do share it. I always invite you to go on iTunes and to leave a review because that is how people find branding for believers. That's how people find values. Many of you have been so good about tagging your friends and tagging your colleagues and saying, this is the podcast I was talking about. I see that all the time on Instagram. So thank you guys so much for doing that. I appreciate you more than words can say. And I will see you all on our next episode. 
Audience Growth Part 2 Social Media. I'm Dr. Shantae, and I will see you next time.